Welcome to another edition of the brand called You. I brought you some really, really incredible people. And today I bring someone who I respect a lot, who's achieved a lot in the corporate world and as an entrepreneur. Atul Garg, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Atul is the founder of SyncX, which is the smartest way to send money overseas. Atul has come to us today from Singapore. SyncX was also awarded as one of the best fintech startups in Singapore by the president of Singapore. He has worked for American Express and Bank of America. And of course, he's an engineer from Pilani and from IIM Ahmedabad. So Atul, tell me a little bit about your early life. I started my career as an engineer, worked on the shop floor and decided that engineering is not for me. Went and did an MBA and then joined the last part of my career spent in financial services. So I learned banking at Bank of America. And during those early days, you know, you got the full spectrum of the bank. So I was fortunate to learn everything about banking. And then I moved to American Express where I spent the majority of my corporate career. And I learned the art of building consumer franchises, the art of creating and keeping customers, as we called it. And then more recently, I've always liked to innovate, and which is why we set up SingX. After such a successful corporate career, you could have really put your feet up and done so many other things. What made you decide to become an entrepreneur? I've always wanted to innovate. And what better place to innovate than, uh, in a, uh, than in an industry where I've spent a lifetime. Okay. Uh, and maybe I should have done this much earlier. There's a single parent I took my responsibility quite seriously. And once my children were grown up, it was the right opportunity. Uh, FinTech was just uh, about, uh, you know, beginning. And uh, we came across this creative idea and we decided we'll just go for it. Wonderful. So let's move on to SingX. Uh, fascinating name. Uh, before I ask you about the venture, what is fintech? I mean, you know, thousands of people will listen to you and me speak and see us. Everyone talks fintech. What is fintech? So, this, uh, I mean, that's a great uh, question. So, typically, when you look at a bank, a bank performs three functions. Commonsensically, they uh, you can deposit your money with a bank. You can take loans from the bank or a bank offers payment services. Now, if you, if you think, uh, think about it, there's no reason why these three different products should sit under one corporate entity because it may not be the most efficient way of uh, running business. So fintech, uh, fintech companies are companies which are using the power of technology to change the way financial services are delivered to the consumer. So that's in a nutshell what fintech is about. Okay. So that's an interesting segue to my next question. What is SingX? So as the name represents, uh, one of the things which the big banks have, so let me talk about the name for a moment in our tagline. The name is important, right? Because if we're going to take away business from banks, then people have to have trust. So we chose the name SingX simply because Sing stands for Singapore, which represents reliability, efficiency, trust. And X stands for exchange or the new order of things. Our tagline is cross borders with us. So like we spoke earlier, a bank does three different things, deposits, loans, and payments. 
So we have decided to specialize in payments and within that cross-border payments where people pay a lot of money and it's very complex to do cross-border payments. So SingX does cross-border payments. In fact, we are now operational in three countries, in Singapore, in Hong Kong and Australia. And we make payments from these countries to 40 countries across the globe and we'll be adding many more countries. And our core value proposition for the consumer is that we are much cheaper, much more transparent uh, than the banks. We do instant payments. It can take sometimes two to three days for a payment through a swift network to reach the destination. And we offer the people the convenience of an app where within a few seconds you can be done with your payment and people love that. Of course, we're adding many, many more products and cross-border payments, but that's the core of what we do. Over the last 10, 12 years, disintermediation seems to be the order of the day. What SingX is doing seems to be like a disintermediation of the payment space in the banking sector. Would that be correct? It is. You know, in many ways, if you look at it conceptually, the whole internet of things is, is basically about disintermediation. And I personally believe that the supply chain has accounted for a completely disproportionate part of the overall revenue pie. And what, what is happening now is that it's time that the, the consumer got better value and we're seeing as consumers better prices on various goods. And more importantly, I think the, or equally importantly, the producer is getting more for their produce. So a farmer, for example, you know, selling a product if the ultimate product sells for $10, maybe the farmer only makes one with the balance nine going to the supply chain. Now, the consumers buying the product at five, the supply chain gets only two and the farmer gets three. And that's what this whole thing is about. And we are doing that in a small way in financial services. So which means that people who are sitting in the middle, yes. their fat margins are getting squeezed. Absolutely. Okay. And the chain is reducing direct to consumer. Wonderful. So, you know, you just spoke of Singex being in three countries. Sending good, sending money to 40 countries, you're launching more products. As the founder of SingX, what is your vision for SingX? So we, we want to be a pan-Asian company operating in multiple markets, offering incredible value to the consumers. And it's not just savings. I think it's all about offering people convenience. So what, what I call the unparalleled consumer journey, which means that that's where we use technology to continuously simplify life you know, for people. And then, of course, what is traditionally called after-sales service or customer service, where we have to be there for the consumer whenever they need us and to, to respond very, very quickly to the consumer. So that's our core, the core value which we are delivering to people. Very interesting. And two large countries which have a lot of inefficiencies in the banking systems in, in terms of large amounts of margins being taken away by the middlemen, are India and China. Why are you not present in these two countries? Somewhat more difficult to, to enter these countries. So you're absolutely right. So when we conceptualized SingX and cross-border payments, the thought process was that if money has to flow, let's say from India to China, the process is that the Indian rupee will get converted to the US dollar. The US dollar or a swift pipe will flow to China. On the Chinese side, the US dollar will be converted to renminbi, and the renminbi then will be delivered to the receiver. And it's a completely inefficient uh, process in terms of time of delivery, costs, because there's multiple currencies. So ultimately, the idea is to have pools of currency. Imagine you have two bowls. In one bowl, you have rupees. In one bowl, you have renminbi. 
and it's just dipping into those poles and paying people on both both sides so that's where we ultimately want to get we've chosen let's say the financial centers to start with and our ultimate objective is to get into some of the larger markets and i guess the regulator must be very very different in terms of thought processes in these very large countries that's one of the one of the things about the whole fintech industry that we are highly regulated and we are regulated because of money laundering issues and compliance issues so we must comply with the regulations in every market that we operate in in fact that's one of the challenges in asia for example where you don't have any one large homogeneous market and different countries think differently for different reasons right it's much easier for example to do business in europe which is one uniform market or the us which is one large market but then asia represents different opportunities as we know very interesting you are entirely dependent on the digital economy of the world because you need the swiftness with which you are working from a fintech perspective and from a singex perspective what is happening to the global digital economy in my view this the supply chain is being compressed and as a result of that both the consumer and the manufacturer are coming closer uh, to each other and making more money in the bargain i think that's what this whole digital economy is is about and i always say this that you know it's not that so amazon we all know is a very successful company Now it's not that the goods which are sold on Amazon you can only get at Amazon you can get it get them at hundred thousand other websites across the world so why does everybody go to Amazon because they have they've used data to understand a consumer's needs they make life simple everybody wants uh, simplicity right and that's coming back to the whole customer journey piece and then the after sales service which is the customer experience or the customer service that we deliver and tell me you know again. This is the age of millennials. Millennials are very, very tech savvy, and you know, if you're in Singapore and Hong Kong, Australia, and in the region that you live and work in, there's a lot of movement of people across the ASEAN and Southeast Asian countries. How are millennials changing the way you do business? I think they are directly adopting the digital economy. Uh, to give an example, you know, the check was invented in. somewhere in in the west and payments still very recently all of us made payments by checks in the us and europe if you look at economies like korea and japan also they don't have any checking system there are no checkbooks in japan really so similarly what's happening is that that the millennial will leapfrog the traditional way of uh, financial services and directly go into the digital financial services whether offered by a bank or by a fintech company so very interesting You are a professional manager. You've set up Singex. How did you fund Singex? We've had a few rounds of funding, and we've been fortunate. So we've actually high net worth individuals have funded us, and we've raised quite a decent sum of money, and we are well funded. We also believe. So this is unlike other digital companies in the digital economy that we have to scale and we have to deliver profit. So we are looking at growth and profitability at the same time, and that. never comes easy your new avatar as a startup entrepreneur should a startup entrepreneur go solo or should they have a co-founder it always helps to uh, to kind of have a a co-founder it depends on i think each one has to evaluate what their strengths are and i i, I would say that for a startup to succeed i mean i call it the principle of the three i's right so the first one is that you must be able to think around the bend 
and to innovate. Uh, so if one individual can do this to answer your question, then there's no reason to have a second founder. But for individual, if you, if you have complementary skills, then you can have more than one founder. Mm-hmm. You can have the greatest innovation on earth, but then you need to be able to influence people around you. In our, our case, for example, the regulator and investor to invest money. Because unless we're able to influence people on our innovation, we can never really uh, you know, get what we want. And ultimately, it's all about implementation. You can have the greatest idea, you can have all the funding in the world, but unless we can implement our idea, scale and you know, become profitable at the same time, I think those are the recipes of success for a startup. So if one individual has it, he can do it on his own. Otherwise, maybe partner with somebody. Wonderful. So the three I's of Atul, innovate, influence and implement. Absolutely. Wonderful. So again, Atul, based on your own learnings of building CX and, you know, you've seen a lot of challenges. I'm sure you know a lot of startup entrepreneurs who made mistakes. What, according to you, are some of the basic mistakes a lot of startup entrepreneurs make? I think the first thing is that People jump into, most people have good ideas. Some execute them well. You know, some who don't execute them well kind of drop off at that stage. So you can build a website, you can have a very good product. You must have a clear idea in terms of how to scale a business Correct. and to scale it efficiently. So I think without this, especially with the way the world is going now, it be very difficult to, to kind of continuously keep raising money with promises for the future. And you spoke of scaling up. So my next logical question is, when should a startup start to scale up? Well, I would guess from day one, okay. because ultimately it's all about, you know, if you're direct to consumer, then you have to get consumers in your books. Those consumers have to be loyal and active with you. They have to generate revenues for you. So it has to be right from the, the very beginning. Okay. And my next question to you on startups would be that, you know, you said you've gone through a few rounds of funding. At what stage should a startup entrepreneur look for external funding? I mean, I may not be the most competent person to answer that mm-hmm. question because it may vary by uh, by the need of sure. an uh, individual. Mm-hmm. My view is that the less you raise, the better it is for the company because the tighter the ship uh, you run. That's a very interesting observation because, you know, on my show, we've had hundred over 100 entrepreneurs. And I get very interesting views. Someone says, raise as much money as you can. And a lot of others say, don't be in a hurry. So I now understand that you are in the cap of take your time. Absolutely. And don't be in a hurry. In a successful career, successful life, great startup that you started off on. Have there been any people who had a strong influence on you? And if yes, what have been your learnings from them? So I personally do a lot of spiritual reading and I believe that we learn from every interaction. And some of the people who've influenced me, some of my biggest learnings, say one, one single biggest learning has been that we need to be better today than we were yesterday, every day of our lives. And because uh, there is no other uh, recipe for uh, success. Uh, so I would say that's been, uh, that's been my single biggest learning from, from what I've read and the people I've interacted with. Which is to become a better individual. So to be better today than we were yesterday, every day of our lives. Somebody who runs the Olympics aspires to win the gold medal not just once, 
but to win it time and time again. Correct. And that requires continuous practice and continuous self-development. Very well said. So my next question to you would be, what would be three words that define Atul? I would say somebody who can think around the bend, somebody who can focus and somebody who can implement. Right. I think that's the reason for such amazing success Singh is seeing already. My next question to you Atul is on failure. And I ask this question from all my guests. And that's because in India particularly and in Asia in general, we don't teach children it's okay to fail. As a result of which, by constantly being told you have to come first, you have to be ahead of the queue, it manifests itself in our behavior patterns. So my car must be right in front of the traffic light. An aircraft full of Indians lands and everyone knows there's only one door, but everyone must get out first. And yet we fail a lot. So my question to you is, what have been some of your learnings from some of your mistakes or your failures? You know, the Indian education system taught us to be analytical, to do math at very high speeds, especially yeah. engineers, mm. maybe even to think around the bank. Mm. It never taught us the principles of leadership. And it took me decades mm. personally to learn the principles of leadership and a lot of reading. Mm. Interestingly, from the time we've started Singex, we have banned two simple words in the company. The first word is the word I. So I get asked, I must have gotten asked 10,000 times, which is normal, Atul, what would you like to do? Or what, what? So I always correct people and say, can you ask that question again? And they say, okay, what should we be doing in a situation like this? And there's a reason for that, because the I, me, my leads to ego and doesn't empower people, doesn't allow them to make mistakes. The second word we ban is the word called but. And imagine a child coming up to his mother and saying, Mommy, I got an A grade in history. And the mother says, that's very good, but you need to work harder in your math. The challenge with that response is that the child is not complimented. He only hears the second half of the sentence, which is you need to be better in math. Mm. So we try and substitute the word but with the word and. Mm. So the mother, for example, said, you got an A grade in English. That's fantastic. And you actually have the potential to get an A grade in math as well. And let's work on it together. Very different, you know, construction of the same sentence. Yeah. And that perhaps empowers our people to make mistakes, to think. Because there's no individual mistake. We make a mistake. It's a collective mistake which the company's made. Very interesting. Remember, I and but are banned. And I think the examples you've given are amazing. My next question is that if you were a role model to millions of children who closely followed you and your life choices, what would you change in yourself? I think the biggest... So, so, so for me, as I said, and late in life, uh, the biggest learning is that you you can learn from anyone, hmm. including the doorman, on a on a subject on nuclear physics, and you'll be amazed, you know how. So, so that's that's one of my biggest learnings. More importantly, I think what what happens is that as human beings, we assume we have a bad interaction, right? Which is could be with another child, could be with a parent or a friend. And the human mind actually subsumes, then just looks at that last interaction and says, I don't like this individual. So in fact, my biggest learning, you know, has been that if you're evaluating an individual, what you need to look at is the 10,000 interactions that you've had with that individual and not let your mind, you know, just focus on that last interaction, which may not have been up to, uh, 
standard up to what you wanted. Correct. So that's been my single biggest worry. Correct. Correct. After four decades of working and as an entrepreneur, assuming that you had continued to earn the same kind of money, would you have made any different life or career choices? To be honest, the only the, the only area which I which I know is financial services. So I haven't thought beyond that. Mm. No, I, I so I certainly wouldn't have been an engineer because that was absolutely the wrong choice for me. Mm. Maybe I would have chosen financial services again. Atul, thank you very much. It's been such a pleasure speaking to you, and I wish Singex lots of success. Thank you very much for having me on your show. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Brand Called You podcast. Be sure to visit tbcy.in to join the conversation, access show notes, and discover fantastic bonus content. You can follow us on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Simply search for the brand called you. Thank you, and see you next week.